Um, I remember in 2010, we were preparing uh, our transition from Chicago to Florida, and we were preparing to begin what we call launch meetings, which were once a month meetings here in Plant City over at HCC, just to make sure that we, you know, this is what the people here would would want and partner with us because we didn't know anybody in Plant City. So we were preparing and I was ironically on a plane to Texas, the same place I just came from in uh, spring of, in May of 2010. It was the, one of the most difficult seasons in my life. There are, obviously we all have challenging uh, seasons in our life, whether it's personally, privately, work-related, but we were just, I was tremendously in a press because many, many changes and many things going on in our lives and families was a very difficult uh, Mother's Day season of my life for me. And I remember being on the plane, and I've shared this in many sermons, and if you've been in the LCU classroom, probably second, third, or fourth year, you've heard it, how I wrote wrote a prayer to the Lord that just a few lines of it are, you know, um, I desire no person that you have not chosen for me. I desire no place that you have not sent me. I desire no food that your hand has not chosen for me. You're my food, my drink, my peace, my sleep, my everything. And I, I wrote that um, on the plane. And Pastor Todd, unbeknownst to me, when I got there, we had, uh, he's Dr. Jack's best friend. He asked me to do the, the um, Sunday morning service for his church that Mother's Day. I had never uh, spoken on a Mother's Day in a Sunday morning because we were not pastors. We actually weren't pastoring yet ourselves. And um, I, you know, had to get with the Lord in a quick hurry about what he would want me to share. And he told me to talk about a mother's legacy and uh, what kind of legacy that um, I was leaving and what kind of legacy we all would want to leave our children, grandchildren. Maybe you don't have natural children, but you have spiritual children. And so we're leaving a legacy whether we want to or not. Our choice is what kind of legacy that we want to leave. So I, I, that, that birthed the mother's, a mother's legacy, which I did not know would become a series. And so here we are in 2015, and I remember in 2011, it was a legacy of the word, and uh, a legacy, then it was a legacy of following, a legacy of a sound mind. So we're going to share today on the Holy Ghost said to tell you about leaving a legacy of truth. But um, so I, I'm going to go ahead and share with you. I happened to, on my way back last night through many delayed flights, finally grateful just to be on a plane. They told me I wasn't going to get my luggage. So I told Kate, I'm going to need to borrow your underwear this morning. Just kidding. <laughs> like, sure. Yeah. What are mothers and daughters for? And, oh, and your makeup and your curling iron and everything else you got. Yeah. But fortunately, my bag came in, but I'm, I'm on the plane on my iPad and I just uh, another prayer from my heart came to me out of a, a particular press that I'd been in uh, for the last uh, week or so. So I wrote this, a mother's prayer. And so just as I pray this over the offering, I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to see if this would be your heart's prayer. And it really, whether you're a mother or father, male or female, the, the word is, is not a gender feeder, so this will fit. Father, you must... Father, before today, I have allowed circumstances to press me beyond measure. Today and for all my tomorrows, I ask you now to do the pressing. Press me beyond my current measure. Press me beyond my comfort, beyond my borders. I will not be afraid. Father, you must. I know I will cry. I know I will hurt. That will happen anyway. I know I will hold on, even unknowingly at times, with white knuckles and nails dug in. I ask you to pry my fingers loose. You must. I trust you. I must become more for you to do more through me 
for the sake of others. Father, you must. Do not leave me to myself. Press me into you, no matter what the cost. I need you to bend me. I know you will not break me. My trust will remain. Father, you must. In Jesus' name, amen. And I pray that that's your prayer. Uh, gentlemen, you can go ahead and pass the, the buckets because the Bible says in the last days, many, the love of many will grow cold. And we are living in the last days and things are picking up. What a great hour for the church. The Bible says that yes, darkness is increasing, but so is light. The day of the righteous, that's you and me, grows brighter and brighter. So we don't have to be fearful. We don't have to be concerned, but you are going to be pressed. And sometimes you're going to be, feel like you're pressed beyond your measure. But um, they, the press is designed to do one of two things, press you out or press you in. And so uh, rather than resisting, that was where that came from in my heart, you need to learn to yield so that you're pressed in. Don't back up from the press because the press is coming down and Satan would desire to press you out. And it's very easy now to tell uh, dark from light. Very easy. It was, it was not just even a couple years ago, always easy to tell who was walking in the light, who was walking in the dark. There was still so much gray. People could still just really put on a good front. And now you can't, you cannot even, I mean, you can tell. It's, you don't even have to think about it. We were uh, going to the, um, the airport uh, on this particular trip in the morning and Pastor Josh dropped us off and we were at the the, the early morning baggage came and the line was packed and the, uh, there were people that were just upset you know, about everything. And um, the baggage guy, Dr. Jack, was giving him our stuff and he was helping us and he said, are you a pastor? And he said, oh, do I have the look? He said, no, you have the light. And it was very startling. And so he said, you know, and he, he opened, he, had the, he said, here's my Bible. He opened his little like portfolio and in it were, you know, those paper luggage tags that, that people get that they, they put on. And so he had, his was stuffed full. And he said, you know what this is? He said, these people, he's like, like these people next to him, <laughs> like are going off, like he can do anything. And um, he writes their name on that tag and stuffs it in there. And he prays for them, the ones who are having a bad day. And Dr. Jack's like, now that is a ministry. And his thing, unfortunately, his thing was full. Yeah, and I was just glad our name wasn't on there. So we didn't like flush out at the curbside. <laughs> But, um, you know, the, the day of the righteous grows brighter and brighter. So that's our day. But it doesn't mean that we're not going to be feeling some of that same press. It's just we're deciding to do something a little bit different with it than, uh, the, than some people. And, but the Bible speaks much of many people in the church dropping out, dropping out of the race and um, not completing their destiny. But that's not us, right? right. So uh, legacy of truth. Uh, are you leaving one? So turn with me to John 8. Verse 31, let's leave a legacy of truth. So we're going to have to examine uh, what is truth. You know, truth and fact are not the same. Amen. To some people they are, but not to the word of God, not to the truth. So in John 8, 31, Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him. So he's talking to believers. If you continue... In my word, then you are my disciples. That word continue means abide, dwell, endure, be present, remain, and stand. So this is what he says. We could have put an emphasis on all three words. If you continue in my word. If you continue in my word. Or we could say it like this. If you continue in my word. 
What are all three of those, uh, those uh, if we say have an inflection on all three of them, they all three are inflecting the same thing, your free will. In other words, you're, you're the common denominator. And if you want to do it and if you continue, then, then this happens to you. If you abide there, dwell, endure, and be present. In other words, the continuance wasn't an in and out. This week I'm doing the word, this week I'm not doing the word. This week I'm dwelling in the truth, this week I'm, you know, um, drowning in the facts or the circumstances. So the continuing was, it can, the word continue is actually a verb, which means it's an action. So that's a constant, this, I'm continuing. It's a moving forward, it's not a standing still. So it was an abiding in the truth, but it had a forward movement to it. You know, Dr. Jack says the direction is always forward. So continuing here did not mean your ability just to stand your ability to stay, stay in the truth and continue in, in his word, abide in it. What? In spite of what's going on around you, what, what the circumstances, what your five physical senses are telling you, what you're seeing, what you're hearing, what you're feeling, what you're touching. If you continue in my word, then you, my, then you are my disciples. You're my pupil. Indeed. That means truly and in truth. And then verse 32, know, notice that it says and. So these are co-joined. This is the second part. Remember, everything you do, God's able to enact his promise. But he, his promises can't come true in our life if we haven't done our part too. God's already done everything. He's already laid it out. But he needs you to do your part. And your part is always listed right there before his part. And the reason it's always listed before his part is because you've got to do your part first. And so God tries to make everything real plain to us. And you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. But that word know is not head knowledge. That word know is that I, I know it's in my heart. It's a knowing in the middle of circumstances. It actually says in the Greek um, that, you're, that that knowing meant you would speak it, be sure, and understand it. So it wasn't just the Oh, I've heard that. I've heard 1 Peter 2.24, by his stripes I'm healed. And come at the healing line. Oh, I know, I know, I know, I know. No, she's not in the knowing. <laughs> this is the, the, the knowing in the heart, the, the ability to do it, the choice to do it in the middle of those circumstances that, that are telling you something entirely different. And then the truth shall make you free. To make you free means to deliver you. So what's the truth going to deliver you from? Yeah, the truth isn't there to free you from the truth. The truth hasn't bound you. The truth is there to deliver you from the circumstance, from the fact. But in other words, those were conditions. If you would continue in the word, you're like, well, how long do I need to continue? Until. Amen. Yeah, and so you're going to continue. There, there's nothing in the word that tells you how long any particular circumstance will remain present in your life. But if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples. And when you know the truth, not here, but here, which is the proof that you actually know it here means you're doing it, then you'll be made free from the circumstance. But there's no timeline on that. And so what most people do is like, well, I've stood long enough for my healing or whatever, or this faith thing doesn't work, or this, this believing God for finances doesn't work. You stop short of the until. Yeah, yeah the continuing meant, meant indefinitely. And the continuing meant it's, I'm not in it to win it. I'm in it because I win it. So when I win it is not relevant to me because I already know that I win. And time is not authored by me. It was authored by God and he's in, in control of it. And so he's good. He began it and he will end it. 
It's the truth you know and apply that will make you free. There's times in your life that the truth does not look like the truth. Anybody been there? That, that, that Satan makes the facts look just like the truth. And there's just such a tiny, tiny difference. That's how you get deceived. That's how it all began in the garden. Because Adam just changed just a few words. He said, God said, don't eat it and don't touch it. He added four words and changed the course of our destiny. <laughs> Thank you, Adam. Yeah, that's why the, the last verse in the Bible says, don't add to my word or take it away, because that was the first problem. And so God wanted to make sure whatever he said, we still finished with like, Lord, people, please, let's not repeat this. So don't add anything to what I'm saying and don't take anything away. So when you know it, circumstances can't convince you that they are the truth. When you know the truth, the circumstance, no matter how bad it is, no matter how much it beats on you, can never convince you that that is the truth. But that is Satan's job. And so people are always like, I feel like I'm being beat, beat on from all sides. Naturally, that is the, the, the best possible way for an enemy to defeat you. And so have you ever been in a, uh, you ever watched a, when you've been in one, let's just say you've watched one, um, a, a boxing match or a sparring or anything with martial arts. And generally, uh, you know, they, they have key points that they'll go after in somebody's body. But generally, if you're watching boxing, anybody know what area they generally target? So I see them trying to get here. What are they after? So if I, if I can get the, uh, if I can get a blow in here, and then I get another blow. I didn't, I wasn't really after any particular body part. I was after something even deeper, Breath. air. I'm gonna cut off the air supply because I can punch you in the eye, I can knock your teeth out, I can yank your eyeball out, bite your ear off, whatever. <laughs> Break your ribs, but if you still got air flowing, so you, still, you, you still keep, you're coming. So to, to take you out, the first thing I'm gonna do is knock your breath out. And so then you see them just keep going after that once they get in that. So why are we surprised when the enemy finds an inroad in us that he's relentless and begins to feel like, well, I'm just going to hit, hit from every side. Yeah, you should, that's, that is how it feels. The, the fourth phase of the storm was the worst. But, you know, that's when it's almost over. And that's when you tell yourself, I'm in it because I win it. It's not over till I win. So it's, you, you cannot be defeated. So if you feel like you're in the boxing ring and Satan is pummeling on you, and a couple of weeks ago I was going through something, and um, all of a sudden, and Dr. Jack said something to me, and it occurred to me in my devotion time, I just need to rebuke the devil. I'm just like, you know, doing all these things and trying to stand. I'm like, I forgot to just tell him to go to H-E double sticks. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm like, I don't know why that didn't occur to me, but I rebuked that evil spirit because many things in your life are just an evil spirit attacking you, and then it left me. It was like night and day. It was like, duh, do you hear him? That's what that means. So um, it's kind of like you can feel pummeled, and you think you're going down, and you just rebuke the, the enemy, and okay, it's done. I got my air back. I got off my air hose, and I'm like, Ugh. yeah. So it, it, it comes to us all. But, you know, that's what circumstances are designed to do, to get you distracted, to get you on that. To continue means that you have to hold fast during circumstances. Holding fast to what God says is the truth in the face of great difficulty is continuing. Refusing to be swayed by things that try to convince you that the truth is not going to work 
or that the truth is not always the truth. The truth will make you free, but not if you're inconsistent. The truth can only make you free if you apply that. But you know, consistency is a word that's not even used in our vocabulary. We don't want to wait for anything, much less do anything consistently to get any desired results. We want everything now. We want our food now. We want our weight loss now. We want our pay raise now. We want our education now. We want everything now. We, we have lost the ability to have continuance, which is the very thing that builds endurance in anyone that succeeds in life at, at, at any endeavor. So we need to be careful that we're not, again, doing these things that are being, uh, we're being transformed by society, but that we're, we're remaining the transformers. So it's not wrong to continue. And yes, continuing sometimes is very boring and very tiring, but we have been deceived somewhere along the way in America that everything was supposed to be fun, including our 40-hour week job. If that's fun, consider that, you know, um, icing on your cupcake. But if it is not fun, it was not designed to be fun. Well, the fun part was when you got your paycheck on Friday and that you went out and got a happy meal. That, they don't call it a happy meal for nothing. <laughs> Makes me happy when I eat one. So the truth will make you free if you're consistent. How long until? So we're going to have to define truth. There's only one thing in the universe that's truth. What is it? The word. The, the, the truth is something that cannot change. So the Bible says that heaven and earth and everything will pass away, but my word will remain forever. So there is only one thing in this life that is truth. Is your job truth? How about your paycheck? So if Justin makes $2,000 a month and somebody, what if I came up to you and said, I'd like to give you another $100? That was a fact. It was subject to change. So even, even your salary, which you think is fixed, and it's not only in your mind, that's not truth. Is your address truth? No, because maybe you want a different address. Maybe you don't want to stay there forever. Pastor Josh and Kate are getting ready to get a different address. So even your address, your residence isn't truth. It's subject to change. Are relationships truth? No, even a good one. Because uh, what if uh, Rob checks out and goes, moves to heaven early? So even an awesome, wonderful relationship it is not truth. It's fact, which means it's subject to change, right? Because things are subject to change. Bodies are subject to change. Things are subject to change in this world. So there's absolutely nothing you can say, this is unchangeable, this is truth, except the word of God. Not even a person's professed love for you is truth. No person is above not loving you tomorrow when they loved you today. Because they are human, and nothing is more subject to change than a human being. So if we're going to define truth, then all we have is the word. It never changes yesterday, today, tomorrow. Even the weather today is not truth. It's 79 degrees. We'll wait five more minutes, and it'll be something else. So we don't even have truth if we go, oh, my phone says it's 79. No, it's not truth because it's subject to change. We're like, well, that's the truth. It's 79, and that's the truth. No, it isn't. It's 79, and that's a fact. Fact is different than truth. Fact is a circumstance and fact will change. And it will change whether you want it to change or not. So make sure you're not calling facts truth. Anything a candidate, that's a candidate for change is not truth. If it is truth, it will not change. It is utterly impossible to change it. Malachi 3.6 says, for I am the Lord, I change not. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
So he is the truth, and he just said, I don't change. He's the truth, his word is truth, and this is the only infallible truth that does not change. Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if we're going to leave a legacy of truth to people around us, and they need to be able to see how to walk in the truth, then that's going to encapsulate a legacy of consistency. You'll have to become a consistent person in spite of whatever's going on, in spite of the lack of fun, in spite of the hardship. You know, when you're right, you don't have to change. So if God's right and his word's right, he doesn't, he's not the one that has to do the changing. Because have you ever been in a place like, God, I feel like all I ever have to do is change. Yeah, and God's like, and your point is? Because yeah, you're the one that needs to do the changing. He's in, he's in the right. And you want to keep changing to be closer to the image of what he is so it's reflected in you and through you to others. So why are we upset that we have to have constant change? because it hurts and we don't like pain and we don't like pressure and we want, can we just for five minutes breathe? Yeah, well, if you needed to breathe, God would let you breathe. And so sometimes what you think you need, and that's why I pray that prayer, what you think you need is not always what you need. What you think you need is based on your five physical senses. Well, I need, I need to eat, I need to sleep. I need the pressure to get off me. I need these people to go away or I need this person to come. What you think you need is, uh, this is what I tell God, I am not smart enough to figure out what I need because clearly if, it, if I was, I would have a different life by now. So either I'm stupid or crazy. I know I'm not crazy. So I'm not smart enough to make the right choices. So let God decide what you need. And so if you're feeling something like you just, all this pressure is on you from whatever direction, your body, your finances, your relationship, God, I need, I need, I need. No, Father, what does your hand choose for me? You're my air. I'll just let you breathe through me. I'm the body, but you're the life. So take, inhale the breath of God when you feel like you're in such a press that you can barely breathe. I know what that feels like. So I'm, I don't preach these messages because I've arrived. I preach them because Paul said, because I press. People that are pressed are pressing, pressing forward. And so we're pressing through this together. Um, let's see what else. The word tells us that everything will change and pass away, but it. Your life is full of facts. Everything in your life is a circumstance. Fact is not truth. Know this, the truth will trump the facts every time if you continue. Remember, it was if you. That means that the decision was yours to decide if the fact today is going to trump the truth or the truth of God's word in my life is going to trump the fact. Or I'm going to let fact tell me it's the truth. Amen. Don't let facts tell you what's going to be. That's why God gave you that free will for that right there. That's the line. It was not for you to use it for yourself or against him or against other people and to get what you wanted. That power of a will, will power is powerful. It was that you would have the ability to say, I don't care what the facts say. The truth of God's word trumps those facts. And my continuing in God's word will alter that fact. And I will continue as long as is necessary. Uh, so where is faith understood? Misunderstood. People think that a denying of fact is faith. They think if they say, well, I don't hurt, that makes, it, that makes it so. No, faith is not the denial of a fact that's present. If I come over here and I put my hand on, on the burner, to acknowledge that my hand is on a burner is a fact. I need to acknowledge it to let truth be applied, and that's removing my hand. No, my hand doesn't hurt. It's not on the burner. 
Okay, so the, the, the denial of facts is, is not the same as truth. That's just foolishness. But that's where we misunderstand faith. People will actually come up in a prayer line and will be like, um, and I'm not talking about this church and I've traveled for 20 years, so I'm talking about somebody else, okay? Um, come up in a prayer line and they'll be like, what's the matter? What are you up here for? Well, I don't want to make a bad confession. <laughs> okay, you know, we appreciate their attempt at faith, but that's just proof that you've misunderstood faith. An acknowledging of a fact, the, the, I, I seem to have these symptoms. You don't need to tell the preacher, yeah, I know they're lying symptoms go through all this discourse because either you know that and it doesn't matter to him or he already knows that about you. So come up, and some people are so confused, uh, the pastor calls a symptom out and they're thinking, should I go? Should I stay? If I go up, is that a bad confession that's an admitting that I have something? You're all, you're all sitting in your chair all tore up. Um, has, it, ha, has it occurred to you that your faith in the truth of God's word has caused the spirit of God to call the man of God to call that out for you? Uh, the devil is not using the pastor to try to trip you up. <laughs> and so um, if, you, if you have a, a symptom in your body, to say my bank account is not empty and it's empty is not faith. I don't have bills. That's criminal. They can pray. Oh, I don't have bills. I'm not going to pay these bills. You know, God, told, God liberated me. I'm free from debt. I dare you to call the bank and tell them that you're not going to pay your bills or not going to pay your mortgage because I'm debt free. I'm confessing and I'm believing I'm debt free. So I have no debt. You will be in, in a trash can on the street corner in about 90 days because they're going to be like, well, that's fine. We'll take our house back. And so the, faith is not the denying of facts. So don't confuse fact and truth. And so if we have issues and our bank account is not full or we have symptoms in our body, we're going to take truth, not the denial of truth. We're going to take the truth of God's word and say, now, what does God's word say about this? And I'm going to put it in my mouth and I'm going to, I'm going to alter the fact with the power of God's word in my mouth. That's how he empowered me to alter it. It was only verbally. So when we go to the doctor and he diagnoses us with a symptom and we tell him, I don't receive that, then he has another symptom to diagnose you with. <laughs> and so that's not a good witness. The doctor is not a preacher of truth. He's just authorized to give you the facts. You've come in there. He said, these are the facts, ma'am. You know, you, 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 you need uh, your tonsils taken out. Well, I don't receive that. He is not a preacher of truth. You don't need him to change his confession. The, Mark eleven twenty three and 24, you shall have what you say. No, whatever somebody else says over you has absolutely no power over you. You know what the Bible says it is? It's a boomerang. Boom, it rang. Make it your size because you're going to wear it. Because whatever you sow, you reap. So if you try to put a curse on somebody else, guess who gets it? Boom, it rang. It smacks you upside your head and rings your bell. And so um, it's what you say about you. And the time to say it is not to the, the doctor who's just doing his job and he's reporting the facts. You take those facts and you take it back to the word of God. Thank you, sir, for uh, identifying the correct fact for me. That's all you need to say to him. And then you go and you put the truth of God's word on it. So are, are we good on that? Okay. So truth is not fact. And we don't want to misunderstand the working of faith. And so there was a, a particular lady we're ministering to. And um, she let me know that, that these symptoms were going on. And so we talked about the truth of God's word. And uh, there's always, it's always important to do whatever you can, what we call in the natural. You know, God and, and medicine and, and vitamins are very good. And then uh, six months later, uh, I visited again and how's that, how's that doing? How's your, uh, how's your body? How's that area of your body? I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Last time you know, I was here six months ago, we had this conversation, you know, uh, about this. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. I get it. 
So that's a misunderstanding of faith that you think faith now is the, is the pretending and not talking about or, or, or discussing the issue. I don't mean that we need to go around and tell everybody that, you know, we need, we need our gallbladder removed, you know, 25 times because people do get tired of hearing that. Um, but if someone says, how are you uh, doing? And legitimately, they're, they're asking a legitimate question, like, how, how is that coming? Because they're partnering with you, agreeing with you. It's not a denial of faith to say, well, the facts are so far, it, it hasn't improved you know, in the natural, or it's improved this much. Or actually, in, in the natural, the facts are it's gotten, the doctor says it's gotten worse. That doesn't mean that you're calling that truth. You're calling the fact the fact because if you can't acknowledge the fact, you won't be able to know what truth to apply to it. You won't know the proper remedy in the word of God if you're just ignoring it. Notice that when we ignore things, anybody ever figured out that they don't actually go away? Is it, has anybody noticed they get worse? <laughs> yeah, because when you sweep dirt under the rug, it sort of creates this lump. And so it's still there, but just because you can't see it. And so what happens is that then it's just like works its way back to the top and then you have the dirt on top again. So then you take it off and you sweep it back under. Yeah. And then the erosion of the fibers happen and then we get a nice big hole in the rug. So um, denying that the dirt was there covering it up actually made things worse. Amen. So uh, faith is not acting like what is present is not. The Bible tells you to call those things that be not as though they were. It doesn't say call those things that are as though they're not. Oh, I'm not sick. Oh, I don't have any debt. It doesn't say to call things that are as though they are not, because that's kind of nutball, right? It says to call things that be not as though they were. Why? Truth had the ability to get them from not to are by you calling it by God's word, not denying it or ignoring it. So you were to call things that be not. My bank account be not full yet, but because I tithe, uh, and I work 40, 50, 60 hours a week. See, God blesses what I put my hand to. I can call that supply into my bank account. So it doesn't mean, just because my bank account be not full doesn't mean that it's not staying that way. That fact is subject to being changed by the truth of God's word. And the truth of God's word is I'm doing my part. I'm going to work and I'm a tither. And anything else the Bible says about finances, I'm looking it up and I'm doing it. So the truth is altering that fact. And there will come a day when that bank account be full. Amen. If I continue in the word, not in my opinion, not in my own efforts, or not what I think will work or not work, or what I feel like doing this week, and I'm too tired, I'll just take a week off from my continuing, because you know I've worked really hard. And it's if you continue. Amen? Let's move on. In 2 Corinthians uh, 1, 8 through 10, let's go there. Let's see what Paul had to say. So we're leaving a legacy, right, of truth. We need to teach our children and our grandchildren, this is how you walk in the truth. Because their lives are surrounded with uh, circumstances and facts, and they need to know by your example of, of how to alter those with the truth of God's word. 2 Corinthians 1. Where am I? Verse 8, you with me? For we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about the affliction and oppressing distress which befell us in the province of Asia, how we were so utterly and unbearably weighed down and crushed that we despaired even of life itself. Indeed, we felt within ourselves that we had received the very sentence of death. And so what is Paul doing here? 
He's simply, he's simply relating the facts. We were pressed beyond measure. How was your trip? Ah, oh, I was pressed beyond measure. I almost took the 515 to Paris. <laughs> so he's just relaying the facts of the situation. He's, he's not in denial that this was going on, that this was happening to him. It was so painful to him. He said, we even despaired of life. So you can tell what's going on here with Paul is he's being pressed, obviously, physical endurance with whatever he's going through. But, but when you feel pressed beyond measure in life, it's, it's, it's the heart. It's painful things have happened in relationships to you. That will press you beyond measure more than any physical attack ever will. And so, but you can tell with Paul that, that, that he's a very strong uh, man here. And so if he feels pressed beyond measure and we're despaired of life, that means you're so discouraged. You're like, uh, to live is Christ, to die is gain. I'm having a hard time right now <laughs> uh, picking because he's like, for you, for your sake, it's better that I stay. But for my sake, yahoo, if I can go. So Paul, you know, is weighing this whole to die is gain thing out right here. So when he says we despaired even of life, it's not that he was suicidal. He's kind of like, maybe I'm just done. You know, maybe I can just let go, you know, kind of like, God, is it wrong? Do I have to stay here and finish my race? And God's like, mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, I need you on the earth, not floating around on the clouds in heaven, playing your harp yet. Harp lessons have not begun in heaven yet. So indeed, we felt within ourselves that we had received the very sentence of death. And then he tells you what it was, the purpose of it. Note this carefully. But this was to keep us from trusting in and depending on ourselves instead of God. So Paul says, these circumstances, these presses in this earth life are from the God of this world, and they are designed for this one thing, to keep us from trusting God and to trust in ourselves, to keep our eyes on the facts. See, facts and circumstances are designed. They'll increase in your life the more that they have the ability to distract you. See, familiar spirits are because they're familiar with you, so they watch you. So if a circumstance gets your attention, oh, oh, and, and Satan watches you take your eyes off of him and off your eyes off the prize, and he goes, oh, that really got their attention. Of course it's going to increase. It's going to keep bombarding, and then he's going to try another one. So if he can get you distracted at all these circumstances and putting out all these fires all the time, and the darts just come from every direction, and then they're going to increase. Why? Because he's going to give it everything he's got while he, he's got you one hit. He's got you down. He's going to pummel you to try to finish you off. So that, yes, that's why it always feels like that, like you're being bombarded from every side. But it's to distract you and convince you that this is truth. This is not going to change. Your finances aren't going to change. This relationship is not going to change. These circumstances are, are not going to change in your life. And so if he can convince you through multiple circumstances all at once and get you tired, he can get you to stop continuing in the word because it's hard to stand when you're tired. You want to lie down. And he said, this is what it's designed for. Then Paul shows us what to do about it next. To keep us from trusting in and depending on ourselves instead of God who raises the dead. For it is he who rescued and saved us from such a perilous death, and he will still rescue and save us. So what does Paul go on to do? He answers that fact with his mouth, and it's recorded here for us to do the same thing. And he says, and he will still rescue and save us. And on him we have set our hope, our joyful and confident expectation that he will again deliver us. So Paul immediately turns his attention from the facts that have caused him to even despair of life. In the middle of his darkest hour, he has the ability to say, he's going to do it again. He's done it and he'll do it again. And immediately 
the circumstances changed in Paul's life because it's what gets your attention that you attend to is how things are going to be. So if your attention is on the facts, the facts will increase. If your attention is on the truth, the truth will increase. Whatever you give your attention to increases in your life. So you have to be careful not to turn your, your eyes off of him. You know, people will come up in a prayer line and, and, and ask things like this. Would you believe God with me? Uh, uh, they're coming to take my house away tomorrow. Well, did this start last night? You know, uh, I mean, it's good that you're coming now, but don't come. Uh, I mean, I don't say don't come, but, but come before that window of opportunity for faith to work is almost gone. People are like, well, why didn't you tell me before? Well, I didn't want to bother you. You don't want to bother the pastor. The congregation is the pastor's work. It is his life. He's the shepherd. You're the sheep. It is his calling. Were you really busy? Yes, doing that very work. That's my job to be busy doing that. So he, should he be the last to know? No, if you need that partnership, that agreement, he should be the first to know to guide you before you get to a crisis because somewhere along the way could have even probably given you some natural wisdom to avoid that before it even required some spiritual help because it had gone too far with some natural bad decisions. And so that's what Satan does. He, he, his goal is to always make you think you're the only one and that there's something wrong with you. So then you don't reach out for help. He pulls that on everybody though. And so what does the wolf do? He isolates the sheep. He can't get the sheep if they're in the fold. So you've got to pull them, get them out of the fold with all these distractions and get their attention and they're wandering off and then you can pounce on them. And then the shepherd's got to try to run after and rescue that one. But sometimes there's not enough time left in some people's lives. Their lives have been going that direction for so long. And so it's not a lack of faith. It's actually a strength of wisdom to know when you need to reach for that help before it gets crisis mode. Don't let everything get to a crisis mode in your life. And yes, you have the Holy Ghost, and yes, you have the Word, and you're applying that. But if you're learning these things newly and freshly, come and get some help, some guidance, some instruction before you're way off course. So it's easy to direct somebody, and it's not painful when it's just a, a slight course uh, intervention in the beginning. When they're way off course, it's very difficult, and it, and it can be very painful on all parties. So you shall know the truth, and the truth, we could say it like this, the truth will make you free. The, you will know the truth, and the truth will change the facts. Could we say it that way? The truth will change the facts. The truth will free you from the facts. What are the facts or the circumstances? What is Jesus letting us know? Facts aren't final. Truth is final. So whatever the truth says about it, by his stripes I'm healed. That means this fact that's going on in my body is not final, only if I decide it is. I have the power, so you've got the power. Jesus said, I give unto you the keys of the kingdom, all power and authority, I'm giving it to you. How many of you have ever received healing from something? Then the truth sets you free from a fact. How many of you have ever received a financial blessing that you are believing for? Then the truth sets you free from a fact. So the truth will set you free every time if you continue in the truth, which is the word of God. So can you continue in something other than this and it work? No. And so if you're not sure what the truth uh, about your, your fact is to override it, then, then ask for some help. That's what your pastor's here for. So uh, what are you facing in your life that needs changing? Maybe you want to make a list of that. What facts or circumstances in your life are you facing that need changing? 
Do you, do you need a financial change? Do you need a relational change? Do you need something to change in your body? That's what you need to go to God's word and you need to put the truth on top of that, apply that and be consistent. Don't be casual on off or just kind of ignore it. Hope it'll go away and think that you're, you're walking in faith. Faith is a very, very strong, forceful action. It's very visible and very measurable by everybody around you that you're walking in the truth because it has a great deal of power, it has a great deal of authority uh, to it. It has, a, it has a strength that you can almost feel exuding from a person. So how do you get truth to override or change a fact? Say it. That's the method Paul used. That's the method Jesus used. Do we think it away? Um, meditation. The only thing I like to meditate on is a cheeseburger. I'm trying not to think about that right now. No, just kidding. Not really. It's that Happy Meal thing. Yeah. So um, you get truth, you get facts to change by talking the truth to it. So although you're going to work and you're tithing, you start calling, I call my bank account full. I call that supply and I call my bills paid. I call my body healed. It doesn't matter what, it, what I see, it changing in my body or not. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what it feels like. It doesn't matter what the doctors say. I'm calling it. Whatever the word says, I can call it. Himself took my infirmities. If he took it, how in the world can I have it? And so we all have the, those things in our life. I, I, um, I have this little knot on my pinky I was, when we were first renovating the building, I was back in the bat, the far bathroom, scraping for hours and hours with um, this little scraper, the floor, till her fall finally comes in like five hours later. Well, you didn't need to do that. Like, <laughs> and so Kanda and I, Isaiah and I were sitting there scraping, scraping, and I, and I pulled like a ligament or something that just hurt re really bad. It was like really strained. And then like two days later, the next day, I whacked it really hard on the counter. And ever since then, I've had like a nod. I'm like, uh, I thought it would go away. Like the sweeping the dirt in the rug didn't go away. So I'm like, hmm, I probably ought to put some truth on that. I'm not sure what that is. I don't really care. It's not relevant. It doesn't require a doctor's visit, but clearly something happened. But you know, if I let little things like that go and you don't put your faith on and we have a little opportunities, it's really hard when something big comes. I mean, we all are walking around in this earth suit that sometimes doesn't really cooperate with, with where you're trying. You're trying to go this way and it's trying to go that way. And so um, you got to put truth on that and you got to put it on with a mouth. So I've had to start paying attention and attending to that. How do you get a child to change their behavior? That's a fact. Yeah. Well, first of all, you generally let them know. Um, this is the fact, you know, little Johnny, you're acting up, but this, this is the first thing you tell them is what you're going to do. So first thing is we put truth on it. This is how you're going to act and this is what you're going to do. Then you do provide the necessary encouragement uh, to go along with that verbal instruction if the, the verbal instruction didn't quite penetrate. There are other methods that cause penetration deeper penetration and memorization of the instruction. And so you're going to apply that. So uh, how did it change? How did their behavior change? If you're a parent and, you're, and your child is running all around in muck and you're like, oh, my little Johnny never misbehaves. Well, we got 20 people in a line that want to tell you how your little Johnny misbehaved. <laughs> so you pretending like they're not misbehaving is not changing the fact. And so you put some truth on it. Little Johnny, you're going to behave and this is how you're going to behave because this is what behavior looks like. And the, the, the reason that that doesn't generally work to alter behavior is one reason and one reason only. You applied truth, but you weren't consistent. And so you have to be consistent. You need to go ahead and follow through with whatever measure you laid out because you need to teach them that God, a parent, is just. 
and that you are just. And so whatever I say is truth to you. I'm not playing. I'm not pretending, not being unkind. I'm going to say it like God says it kindly. And then I'm going to go ahead and, and give you whatever measures I've already told you are going to happen ahead of time. Not surprise you with them, not jerk you up. And, and it's a suddenly because God says, if you do this, this happens. If you do this, this happens. So as a parent, you want to mimic God. So when they grow up, they already know they have a just loving heavenly father that tried to say, do it this way, choose life. Cause these are all the blessings. And if you do it this way, you can, I love you anyway, but these things will come to you because Satan's a God of this world and he has a right to do these things to you. So if you parent like that, then, and you're consistent, then the truth will actually alter facts in your child's life or your grandchild's life. Um, facts cannot change truth. Facts cannot change the truth. Truth can change fact though, but only if you want to. So know this people will not always change. And here's where people get confused. People will not always change, but the facts will. So moms, I know you lots of times you're, it's heavy on your heart. Generally mama is the one that's praying for children or grandchildren or family members. The truth of God's word sent in their direction. You can believe for that to be working in their life, but your will cannot override theirs. God himself won't override theirs. And so you're, you're, you only can go so far. In other words, truth in your life is granted to you to correct the facts under your authority. But people are not a, 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 of adult age are not under your authority in that realm. So he, the Bible says that you and your household will be saved. So you can stand on the authority of the truth of God's word that every member of your household will be saved. But whether they fulfill the will of God in, in their lives or not is not under your authority. You don't have any faith for that premises. You can petition God for that. But the will of God in their life is based on their hunger, not yours. So you can send truth in their direction and believe that your prayers, that, that the spirit of truth himself will cause those things to come as a play in their life when they reach out for it in hunger. But until they reach out for it in hunger, that, that will not be the case. So sometimes that, that's hard or confusing for people to understand. Um, they'll try to forcibly uh, cause people to obey the will of God for their lives. And when you try to force anything or anyone uh, that's not under your jurisdiction of authority, you're, you're going to have a rebellion issue and, th and they have a right to that. And then you're going to cause a further situation with that. So you can put the truth in, in their direction, but they have a self-will and even God himself is not. So you can't take the word and force people to change. Faith is not for changing the will of people. It's for using truth to change the facts in your life. Amen? So just release your faith in the power of God to work in their lives. Acts 16.31 says that, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved, this and your whole household as well. So if you're believing for people related to you, that's your verse that you need to camp on, moms, grandmoms, spiritual moms, because that's the truth that you need to apply to a fact of an unsaved person in your household, that this is what God said, this is your covenant with them. So you can be assured of the salvation. Your prayers can help them assist, assist them to fulfill the will of God in their life when they're hungry for it. So sometimes you can pray the Ephesians prayers and the Colossians prayers that they can, the Lord will help them get hungry. Um, but you know what? You have to do something actively and consistently to cause change. Proverbs 4.20, turn there with me real quick. We're almost finished. Are you being helped today? Amen. Amen. Let, we're leaving a legacy of truth to all those behind us. Proverbs 4.20. 
through 23. My son, attend to my words. Incline thy ear unto my sayings. So you were to, you were to attend to what? What is God's word? Truth. Truth. So my son, attend, which actually meant put your eyes on it. Not, not your eyes on the circumstances, not your eyes on the facts, which are one and the same, but your eyes were to be on truth. So you're going to have to put your eyes on truth, no matter what the circumstances are, are yelling. In circumstances, how many of you have figured that they're loud? Amen. Man, they scream. They're screaming meanies. <laughs> and they get louder. You may not yell, but they do. And that's why the Bible says there are many voices and none without significance. That means they can say, how many of you, the voice of your body is significant? Yeah, mine is. It's significant. <laughs> the voice of your soul. It's significant. It wants you to be clear that it, you are hearing it, that this is how it feels. And it's like, I want to be heard. I heard you. Zip it. You're done. Okay, because there's a point when your spirit, the real you, has to tell your body, heard you, you're done. Body, soul, heard you, you're done. Emotions, quiet. Now we're going to go with the truth of God's word. So you, you have, that's what Paul talked about, giving yourself the beat down. He buffeted his body. And then he, he goes on to say, uh, let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. So what was to stay in front of your eyes? Truth. So if five minutes later, is it okay for you to be looking at the fact? Oh, look at that. What is that? Does that hurt? No, 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 no. I was to attend to the truth. That himself took my infirmity. That's, that's what I'm attending to. I'm not attending to the fact just because I'm looking at it. Himself took my infirmities. By his stripes, I am healed. If I was healed, then I am healed, and I always will be healed. This, this is an acknowledging of a fact, but the, the, what I'm acknowledging is it cannot remain this way. And, and how long will it remain that way? Until. Until. And so you get, where you get in trouble is you get caught up in the until, but you have no scripture for the until. So keep your mind off of it. Don't touch it. How long is long enough? Not until it's changed. So you hold truth on the fact and you keep holding it there. God provides the truth before the facts come to your life. A lot of times people say, you know, feel like, um, I don't know if that sermon, you know, was really, you know, I don't know if I was feeling it. I don't know if that was for me. Maybe that was for everybody else. You know, I'm good on that. It was probably for you next week. God gets stuff to you before you need it. Just like a good parent, I would tell my boys, let me just talk to you about the next year of your life. Whether it was puberty or whatever, like this is where you're going, this is what's going to happen in the natural, the way you're going to feel or your thing. And you're letting them know God's whole word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path so that we can see and, and, and pick up the pace and get down the path. And so you, you are to be able to know those things. And so if you are not going to let it depart from your eyes and you're going to keep those and you're going to have to attend to it, so you're going to hold the truth. So the pastor is often preaching sermons to get food to you before you need it so that all of a sudden this week you run into it. You're like, the Holy Ghost can bring to your remembrance. He cannot recall what you did not call. So it is designed for you to grow into a place that you are eating food and receiving food and storing food, not only for what you're coming against, but how about some to share? Yeah, that you have plenty of food left to share and to give portions to those, Isaiah says, that don't have any throughout your week. So it wasn't, you're not to come in at some point as a Christian and everything is all about you. It was what I'm going to need and then what somebody else is going to need. Because you're, you're fortified, you're growing, you're keeping that tank full, you're walking in the, all the light of the truth that you have, and you're interested in gaining new truth. 
So faith means believe the truth. Uh, be, faith means you believe the truth trumps facts, and you say it and keep saying it even when the facts increase. Yeah, sometimes when you start saying the truth, do the facts start increasing? Yeah, Satan's always going to test you. Tests and trials are to, to test what you believe, if you really believe that or not, or you'll back down from it. And don't tell me we don't understand the enemy because your own children do that to you. They test you to see what you really believe and to see if you meant what you said. And you always have to stand and prove they meant. And all human beings do that. They want to push against that and see uh, if that's really truth. So keep the truth on the facts so the facts don't take off with your life. So Proverbs 3, 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. So if you're looking at facts, are you going to be leaning on your own understanding? Yes. Yeah, if you're looking at the facts, that's your own understanding. Your own understanding is limited to your five physical senses. Your spirit man has truth, but you don't always understand uh, truth with your mind. Jesus said that, that, that spiritual things can be enemies or enmity with the natural mind. So sometimes the, I'm looking at the facts and it feels very real to me. And I don't know how the truth of God's word is going to override this fact. That means you're leaning on your own understanding. The word says this, understanding comes on the other side of submission. So I submit myself to the truth that says by his stripes I'm healed even when I don't look healed, I don't feel healed, and the doctor says I'm not healed. The truth says I'm healed. If I submit, get up under his mission of healing to the truth, then on the other side of it, understanding comes to me. Proverbs says over and over, understanding only belongs to the submitted. It doesn't belong to the, the questioning person. It's on the other side, and you're like, oh, wow, that's really awesome. So when God says something in his word, he's trying to get you to change the facts. Here's what people think. They, say, they ask God to do something about their problem. God is not going to initiate any change in your life. He already gave you the key to initiate all change. But when we're praying and asking God to do something about the fact, we go, I'm praying and I'm praying and I'm praying, and it's not changing because you were asking God to do the changing. Th things are not to be prayed about. You are to put the word in your mouth, and that is a form of prayer. But I don't need to pray for my healing. I don't need to pray about my healing. I need to speak God's word over my body. And then whenever pastor calls that symptom or calls a prayer line, I come up and I get another dose of that healing power. I get another dose of anointing. I get another partnership and agreement for what I'm already, I've already decided to walk out. And I don't care if it's a hundred times I have to go up in the prayer line for the same thing. What do I care? And I don't really care what you think. You shouldn't care what anybody else thinks about that. They're not living in your house that's got the problem. And they're not paying your doctor bills. Yeah, so if you come up 100 times, come up 100 times until, until you get it. So God doesn't initiate change. And in Genesis 17, it says that God made Abraham. But in Romans, it says that Abraham became See, God's made provision for you to be healed, to have the finances, everything you need, but you got to do the becoming. And how you do the becoming is you put the word in, you get God's good stuff in his truth, and you displace facts, lies, and circumstances in your lives. So you have to do the becoming. So whatever God has made you prosperous, healed, and it's not evident in your life, just move on into it. Take the truth and move into it and stop being upset about that it hasn't happened. The reason you're upset is because you think somebody else has it and you don't. Because you're measuring everything. Well, they're, they're healed. Well, I'm not. I Something's wrong with you. Well, they ha how come they have finances and I don't? You got into that comparison thing and you took your eyes off of him and you attended to facts, circumstances, and now you're in other people's business. Mind your business. 
you're attending to their business instead of yours. And so not, your business isn't getting attended to because there's only one business you can attend to at a time. And, and be selfish, attend to yours. So whatever God has made you, go ahead and move into it. So how about people that, that have musical abilities and they don't, they don't develop them? So God may have given you gifts. Maybe he's given you an intellectual gift, but are you the one that has to go to school and practice and attend to that and invest time and effort in it to become? Yes. And so it works the same way in the spirit. God's made the provision for you to be healed. He's made the provision for your finances and everything you need in that blood covenant. He shed his blood. It's finished. His work ended at the cross, but that's where yours began. And even though you're seated in heavenly places, you're not supposed to actually be sitting on your badunkadunks. Um, God's sitting, you're, you're positionally seated, but you're up and running a race. It was just your position of authority that he was referencing, that you had equal authority that he, he gave that to you. Matthew 7, 6, give not to that which is holy under the dogs, neither cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. Anybody ever wondered what on earth is the pearls before swine thingy? Okay. Piggy, piggy. So if I give the pig um, a newspaper, piggy, here, take this newspaper, they're going to wallow in it, right? Newspapers full of facts of things that people have said, facts and opinions. They're subject, tomorrow's newspaper is going to be different, right? So give piggy tomorrow newspaper. But if I give piggy this, this Bible, and this is a Bible, and I give piggy this Bible Wednesday to wallow in, piggy treats the Bible the same as the newspaper. So don't treat facts like truth. So when you throw pearls before swine, that means you are treating facts in your life as if they are truth, that God is not big enough and his truth will not alter those facts. He, he was equating it to the same kind of absurdity of giving piggy pearls, that they would simply trample the same way they trample mud, newspaper, a corn cob. They saw no difference in it. He wanted us to not see that fact as truth. He wanted us to go, oh, truth. Truth is way higher than fact. Truth is God himself. It's his word. It's the one thing that will remain after heaven and earth pass away. Don't equate fact with truth because that's how God viewed it as you literally threw out his pearls before a swine that trampled that couldn't even tell the difference. So whenever we see how God feels about something, it helps us. So the more you speak, will the more facts change? Yeah. So the less you speak, the less they'll change. Yeah. Leaving a legacy in truth. So what are you facing in your life that needs changing? Stand with me.